Hello, my friends. This is your host, Hannah. And I'm Maron. And welcome to our very first episode of Communication Corner. This podcast will be all about speech therapy. Um, We're here to share our passions for all things SLP related with all you guys. Um, Our podcast will be all about making complex um, concepts easy to understand while hopefully keeping it fun and entertaining for you guys. So we'll be discussing hot topics in the field and sharing some personal stories and experiences. Our goal is to provide you with insights and laughs every step of the way. So grab your headphones and join us for a journey into the fascinating world of speech language pathology. Beautiful. So let's start this episode by discussing our backgrounds and how we entered into this field. So Madam, would you like to go first and share with us um, all about you? Yes, yes. Okay. So I'm a Palestinian-American speech therapist. I'm bilingual in Arabic and English. Um, And growing up, my family went back and forth between here, which is California, and the United... um, California and the Middle East. Um, And there was like a time where I hadn't been in the same school for more than two years in a row because we would Mm -hmm. literally move so much. Like I always used to tell people we're like a military family, but without the military part, (laughs) we're Mm -hmm. just moving a lot. Um, And so that kind of helped in terms of like now I'm bilingual in Arabic and I'm good at adapting to new situations, but also like really gave me difficulty when it came to like keeping up with school. I'm pretty sure I missed like the part in school where like they taught you how to read a clock because one semester, like one year we went the the first semester of second grade, I was here. And then the second semester I was in Jordan. And Mm so um, somewhere along the line, I missed that, but I taught myself. (laughs) We're good. I can read a clock now. Um, but anyways, so initially I wanted to be a nurse and I changed my mind when I saw what nurses have to do. And I was like, "Eh, this is not the job for me. Um, and I switched to biochem so I can become a pharmacist. Oh, wow. Um, couldn't handle chemistry. So I decided that I wanted to be a pediatrician and that this all was me changing my majors every time too. Um, and then I decided I want to be a pediatrician and I didn't want to be in school that long. So mm-hmm. I, my mom suggested that I do speech therapy and I was like, okay, sure. So I did the prereqs, started our first semester in our junior year, hated, <laughs> hated it. Um, we were doing anatomy and physiology of speech and hearing and doing okay. physics of speech sound. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, what is this? I don't want to do this. So I decided to do some volunteering with some speech therapists that were local to us and see if this is something that I would enjoy when it's actually, when I'm actually in the field, mm-hmm. not necessarily the class. Um, and I loved it. I loved it so much. I put myself out there um, and did some pediatrics, some adult volunteering, and I loved all of it. So I did not switch away from this and I stuck with it. Um, I really loved working with the kids because they were so fun. And then I loved working with adults because I felt like um, what we, the support that we provide is so meaningful when it comes to like cognitive therapy and communication and just feeding. I feel Mm -hmm. like we work with some of the most important skills. um, Mm -hmm. And I just, I loved it. I actually even considered getting my PhD because when I was doing research with some of our professors, I fell in love with it. And I'm like, what if I can come up with a new therapy um, technique that works so great? Like I just had so much passion for this field and I really wanted to do my PhD, but quickly learned during our master's program that I was sick of school (laughs) and needed to take some time off. Um, and so I ended up just, uh, doing my medical internship and my school-based internship. I fell in love with the medical internship. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started my CFY, I decided that um, I wanted to do a little bit of everything. So I did part-time early intervention, um, about 25 to 35 hours a week, and then three days a week at um, an acute hospital. And okay. I loved it. And the when I got pregnant, um, literally, I got I my CFY ended on a Monday. And then like take my technical CFY ended on a Monday and I gave birth that Saturday. Um, So it it was so insane. It was two weeks before my due date. And I was like, this is so good. Like I'm giving myself time to like get myself together and whatever Mm -hmm. to become a mom. No, I literally gave birth that weekend. Um, And I haven't been really in the field since. Like I've just been working on some side projects, um, taking courses Mm -hmm. because I love to learn but that was the, it's been six months since I've worked in our field and I miss it so much. (laughs) Well, we can't wait till you join and come back to the workforce. Definitely need speech therapists like you. Um, I wanted to add that you're not alone um, in not knowing the analog clock because they've (sighs) actually stopped teaching it in school. Really? Yeah. And so now it's crazy. It's crazy because a lot of our cognitive like standardized assessments that's mm-hmm. one of the components. Mm-hmm. And so my a social worker asked me if I knew any, you know, standardized assessments that ha- didn't have it. And mm-hmm. we didn't have any available. So I had to do an informal COG assessment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're not alone. A lot of people you actually know, don't know how to do it. That's so my supervisor and I were discussing this during my medical internship. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how they're going to have to adapt these assessments for the newer generations right. because... Right. Um, it's just not something that you reference a lot, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know they took it out of the curriculum. That's crazy. Yeah. A lot of kids nowadays don't know how to read a clock. So crazy. I mean, um, it's a I, skill you don't need. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I did want to ask, you know, now that we're starting this podcast, but first, thank you for sharing. That was a beautiful story. I didn't know some of um, those things. <laughs> But what is, what are you looking forward to for this podcast? And then what is your biggest fear? So I really wanted to create a podcast where um, we have a space for SLPs that is entertaining and educational. Mm -hmm. I wanted to offer a laid back and fun environment um, where we can discuss areas that need to be improved within the field while also entertaining our listeners. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that this platform is hopefully going to be very engaging and enjoyable. And I would love for the SLPs that listen to tune in and contribute to the conversation. I just really want this to be a safe space for everyone while still Mm -hmm. not being um, a heavy space, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then your fear? Um, So I... I don't think a lot of people know this about me, Hannah, um, but I have a fear of public speaking and it's something that I've been working on for a long time. Really? Um, Yes. So in 2021, I actually found it in my notes literally Mm -hmm. over like the last couple of days, I wrote a list of things that I wanted to accomplish, but my fear was getting in my way. And one of those things was this podcast um, because Mm -hmm. I have this crippling fear of public speaking where when I stand in front of people and I know that I'm about, it doesn't matter if you guys are my cousins, if you're my friends, I literally clam up and I just, my heart rate accelerates. I get start to get sweaty. I'm literally thinking about it right now and I'm getting nervous. You can hear the change in my voice. Um, and it just, it's so bad. Um, but I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to let it stop me from accomplishing my goals. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really like, that's my biggest fear for this. And I always have a little bit of fear of failure. 
um, right. for everything that I do. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I just, my biggest fear is public speaking. Even when I wrote my first kid's book, I read it to mm-hmm. literally my sister-in-law and her cousin, who are people that I'm very comfortable with. And they can hear my voice shaking and they're like, are you about to cry? I'm like, no, I'm just, there's something about public speaking that just makes me scared. And hopefully that's, this is a good way to break that. <laughs> and that that's so crazy. So like, I forgot we forgot to mention, if you guys don't know, Madame and I went to the same college. Um, we went mm-hmm. did undergrad and grad together. And so like, it's baffling because you were an amazing public speaker. Like the first day of class, I swear you were teaching us already. Oh my gosh. Um, you were like the one, like the main student that I was like, oh my gosh, like she scares me. And like, I love it because I want to oh be like gosh. her and like on her level. So no, no. that's, that's insane. I would have yeah. never guessed in a million, mm-hmm. never guessed. Yeah, it's, it's- I think actually being in our major um, made my fears more, my public speaking more afraid. Like it made me more afraid of public speaking. It made me more anxious. Oh no. But um, yeah. Well, congrats to you for attempting or making progress to accomplish and overcome your fear. Yeah, I've, I've made a lot of progress. I used to stand for our speech class, or not our speech class, but public speaking class mm-hmm. to give a speech. And I would literally freeze and have to turn around collect myself so I don't burst into tears mm. at the thought of public speaking. So we've come, yeah. I've come a long way, um, but there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. Tell me your goals and what, um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Okay. So um, I'm working on seeing my own private clients and I hope that in 10 years I have my own practice. Um, I really want to be specialized in feeding therapy and parent coaching. Those are just two of my passions that I love so much. Um, And I would love to be a supervisor, whether it's at our old university or somewhere where I can work with students and future SLPs, just because Mm. my experience, I had multiple different supervisors during our internships. Mm -hmm. And some of them, one of them like gave me crippling anxiety, made me think that I literally could not accomplish anything. I was in the wrong field. Mm -hmm. And then this other one swept in and she just like rebuilt my confidence and brought back my passion. And so I think... I want to be that for somebody. I want to be so- yeah. someone who builds up the next generation of SLPs. Well, that's beautiful. And we need people like that. You know, we need new speech therapists yeah. coming and teaching. It's wonderful. I had no idea. What do you <laughs> do outside of this? Um, so outside of being a speech therapist, I love snowboarding, horseback riding, um, and I love taking spin classes, but I haven't been mm-hmm. there since I got pregnant. So it's been over a year and a half. Right. Um, and then I've also been working on publishing a children's book that I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm starting a mommy and me class in my area because when I looked okay. for one to join, there wasn't any. So those are just a little bit. I love to have side projects. <laughs> you are a very, even though you're not working, you sound like a very busy woman. I like to keep myself busy. I don't know if it's a good thing or if it's some kind of thing that I need to go to therapy for, but I don't like having an empty schedule. Okay. So Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and give us some information about how you found this field? Okay. Um, So I am a Filipino American. And so I grew up in an Asian household. And for those who don't know, when you are Asian, you need to be in the medical field. And that's kind of like you're predestined um, to be in the medical field. And so, you know, 
However, I wanted to be a teacher at a very young age. And I told my parents and they said, absolutely not. Um, and so my mom <laughs> kind of talked to me about being an occupational therapy or therapist. And, you know, I took a bio anatomy and physiology class and I cried every single day. I could not oh handle it. Like the stress was overwhelming. And so I told my mom, I can't do this. And you had to take like, I swear, like eight classes, like eight no anatomy and physiology. Yeah, it was so super intense. Um, and so I told my mom, no. And my aunt actually is an audiologist. And so she actually did um, undergrad at Sac State. And I believe um, her master's, I'm not sure how that worked, but I think she had like did a master's, not exactly sure. Maybe it was in Sac State, but mm -hmm. she introduced me to speech therapy and audiology. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you should be an audiologist. And then, you know, I, um, yeah. I was like, okay, maybe. And so I literally, my boyfriend at the time, who now is my husband, he yeah. actually, when I was deciding this, he pulled up a YouTube video. It was like five minutes and it like basically described what speech therapists do. And I, we finished the video and I said, okay, I'm doing that. <laughs> and that's basically <laughs> how I chose. I went to the admissions office and I signed, um, to sign to change my major. And mm -hmm. from there, you know, I did undergrad and grad school. I always thought I would be in pediatrics. Um, I really loved working with kids. And mm -hmm. so, um, however, you know, I started getting involved with a lot of support groups who work mainly with adults and I really fell in love with it. Um, and then I did my medical internship and, you know, I always had this fear that I just wasn't competent or I wasn't like able to work with adults. And so I asked, I literally asked my supervisor on the last day of my internship, like, could, do you think I'm capable and competent of doing this? And the best mm -hmm. advice I've ever heard, she looked at me and said, if our patients could do hard things, we can too. I love that. So and much. yeah, it was just like such a great, I was like, wow, like you're right. If I expect my patients to do all these things and I give them all these goals, but like, I can't put myself out, out there and do a really hard thing. Like that's not fair, you know? Yes. And so um, from there, I finished my medical internship and almost took, I still almost took a job with the school district. Um, but, but gratefully um, a listing popped up for an acute care setting at a hospital. And so mm -hmm. I applied and I got it and I've been there ever since. And mm -hmm. I honestly would not change anything. I love the, I love the position I am in. I love the field and I love being in the hospital in the metal mm -hmm. medical field. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yes. I love that about, about speech therapy. I love that. Like you can literally work in the medical setting, the school setting, early right. intervention, like there's, you get bored of one setting. There's like another yeah. settings that we can work in. Um, I do really love that. And I love what your supervisor told you. I actually like used to tell myself, like I saw a video on TikTok where she said, mm -hmm. like, do it scared. Like, it doesn't matter if you're scared, do it scared. And I feel like that really resonated with me because I'm mm -hmm. so afraid of failure. So right. I really As love we what all your supervisor are. did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that she said, like, we have our patients do um, difficult things all the time and they yeah. conquer them. Okay. So do you have any long-term goals that you want to share with us in 10 years? Where do you see yourself? Um, hopefully still working at like a hospital or acute care setting, hopefully with adults. Um, I want to maybe not do my own private practice, but like start a company somehow. Like maybe I know they have like 
mobile swallow study companies. Like they have in different states, they have mobile MBSs. Um, mm-hmm. And I know we have one here. It's a mobile fees company. So um, I really am interested in doing that type of business. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years is a long time. So I have a long time to think about it. But that's kind it of is. what I'm thinking so far. And I don't think we have very many mobile fees companies here um, in yeah. Northern California. I think there's only, you mentioned like there's only one. Yeah. The one that, that I know of, but mm. so yeah, hopefully I can add on to that. I wish you that. I wish for you all your dreams to come true. <laughs> Thank um, you. Do you have any fears and what's your goal for this podcast? Maybe start with your goals for this podcast <laughs> okay. and then we'll address your fears. Your fears, right, right. So um, the goal for this podcast, you know, so I work at a hospital and I'm actually the only speech therapist. So I don't get to talk a lot about, you know, what I do. And when I tell like my other, the other staff, like the rehab staff or the nursing staff about um, like really cool things I find or, you know, about our patients. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so what diet are they on? They're like, get to the point and just get to the point. Right. And I'm like, well, but this is so cool. Like, did you know they did this? I did the MBS and they're just like, yeah. Okay. So what, what does that mean to me? Um, And so I don't really get an opportunity to share these really cool stories that I have. And so I think this podcast is a great opportunity to share what I've researched and, you know, what we're experiencing in the field. Uh, I think it's a great outlet for me just to talk and, you know, us SLPs love to talk. Yes, we do. We do. It's funny. I feel like I didn't expect, like, as an SLP, I always thought it was mostly people who love to talk, but like, really, it's so important to be good at listening too. Right. And it was definitely a skill that I had to develop. (laughs) Okay. Same here. (laughs) So do you have any fears? Yeah. So my fear is that we won't be fun or entertaining for our fans. (laughs) And Hannah knows know. that I disagree with this. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think I'm that entertaining. I don't think I'm funny in any regards. Oh um, my my husband's the funny one in our relationship. He makes me laugh. I, you know, sometimes you know, I make give him a chuckle here and there. Um, but that's mainly me doing something like really dumb, like falling or you know hurting myself, and then he'll laugh a little bit. Um, but you know, I'm not that funny. Um, Madame thinks I am, so which is I do think you are. I think you're. But, you have a great personality. I love your personality. Thank so much. you, thank you. But you know, I hope everybody else does too. That they love both of us, and that we can you know make this a fun experience. Um, and hopefully that we are funny and our stories are entertaining for all you guys. Yeah, that's kind of my fear. Yeah, I see that. I really do. Because I feel like we're putting something out there and we don't know like how people are going to respond to it. So that's definitely a valid fear. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think we have really great segments that are going to help carry us along. And I think that we both have really great stories. We've both experienced some um, funny and sad and trauma, Crazy. crazy situations. So yeah. And I think our personalities mesh really great. So I have and, really high hopes for us. And you're right. I have some very juicy stories for you. This podcast <laughs> and the podcast coming up. Very, very juicy. So I'm so excited to tell you. Okay, so now that you guys know a little bit about us, um, we're going to go ahead and move into one of my favorite segments, which is um, 
SLP hot takes, and we're going to share some controversial topics um, and give our opinions on them and share our experiences with you guys um, for this segment. So Hannah, what is your hot take, one of your hot takes for this week? So my hot take is something very juicy, first of all, (laughs) but it's something that I feel like um, SLPs do subconsciously, and I feel like I shouldn't have to say it, but I need to address it because it happens very Mm -hmm. frequently and often, but it's Mm -hmm. basically judging our clients and our patients based off of their list of diagnoses. Um, So yeah, so here's my long, I will try to keep it short story. (laughs) Um, So I had a patient that came with me, it came to me at the hospital and he had um, cerebral palsy and developmental delay from birth from anoxic brain injury. Um, Mm -hmm. And so basically he'd been to the hospital about like one to two times before with suspected and, you know, putting air quotes in there, suspected Mm -hmm. aspiration related pneumonia. But like in the previous, the chest x-rays either came out clear, like he coughed in his own secretions and he saw a speech therapist during one hospitalization. um, Mm -hmm. And she saw him at bedside, you know, and tried different liquids and consistencies and determined that without an instrumental determined that he should be on a neck or mildly thicker nectar. So she only did a bedside eval. Yes. Yeah, correct. So she didn't do a swallow study. Um, and so she just decided that he needs to be on neck or mildly thickened liquids and then puree textures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he left the hospital and in 2017 and 2020, he did um, two outpatient swallow studies um, because mm-hmm. the his caregivers were saying that during meals, even with the nectar consistency or the mildly thick consistency and puree textures, mm-hmm. he was coughing. And so they yeah. wanted to know if that was aspiration events. And, you know, before this, these both studies were done, he had never had pneumonia before. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the first swallow study had said that he had um, aspiration with no cough response. So silent aspiration and on thin liquids. And I believe they didn't trial solids, but they recommended puree textures and moderately thickened liquids at the time. That's so weird. So they didn't do any solid textures for the trial? No, no, but they still recommended. They'd even attempt to do it from what the note had, um, from what I saw. Did they say why? No, and I thought that was so interesting too. There was not (laughs) really a reason why. Um, The second one that he did in 2020 said you know, the penetration aspiration scale, the PAS scale basically said everything was a score of one, which is no aspiration, no penetration. And the speech therapist recommended um, mildly thickened liquids and puree textures. And she also didn't trial a solid, which I was, I was like, okay, that's odd. I was able to actually have access to watch the videos and I saw them, Madame, and it was like a beautiful swallow. Really? Um, what yeah. It's so, so, <laughs> so weird. And you, like a normal swallow, completely nothing. Yeah, it was overall, it was functional. Um, maybe okay. there are some components of, you know, pharyngeal, um, what is it called again? Some pharyngeal delay, but or retention, but pretty functional swallow, no aspiration or penetration observed. And, you know, even on one of the studies, they were using the wrong Verabar. Um, they're using the wrong barium, excuse me. They weren't using Verabar. Okay, and what's so, the difference? 
Sorry, oh, this, I don't know. That's, no, no, that's a good question. So for those who aren't in the medical field um, mm-hmm. or those who, who are, there's different types of bariums that you can use for these video fluoroscopies and so are these video studies. So for an esophagram, you use this thing called Easy Pack, and it's basically mm-hmm. the powder and you put water in it and it actually says um, esophageal study on the side. For oh. our studies, ours is a modified barium um, swallow study emphasize on modified. So we use different types of variums. And so okay. sp- the one that's been researched is called a Verabar. And um, that's mm-hmm. the brand that we use. And that's the most consistent with the li- like liquid consistencies and textures we would see in like um, our typical waters and drinks. Mm. So yeah. Um, and so that's why I thought it was interesting too, that they didn't use the crep- um, barium and didn't even document like why. Wait, so how um, did you know that they didn't use the correct one if they didn't document it? Yeah. So like when I looked at the videos, um, the barium looked like it was crystallized. It was just oh. little specks of it. Um, and I mm-hmm. think they maybe had put a little powder in some water um, mm-hmm. and then, or thickened water to get that consistency. And so you see like these little dots of just barium. Okay. And so you can tell it was in Verabar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so from, so from there, you know, I get this patient and it's, he has COVID and ha- he has this called strep bacterium, but it's not correlated to like strep throat. It's a different type of bacterium. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and the chest x-ray was clear. He came in with a mildly thickened liquid and puree textures. And I did my swallow study and he had a functional swallow. Um, mm-hmm. I tried different textures. I tried solids. I tried soft and bite size and mm-hmm. he loved the peaches and he <laughs> did so well on liquids. He did have an episode of like deep penetration, maybe like trace aspiration on one trial. Mm-hmm. And basically on that trial, he immediately coughed and ejected all contrast out of the airway, oh, good. which is yeah, and which mm-hmm. is normal. Like you mm-hmm. aspirate, I aspirate. Mm-hmm. It just depends yeah. if you can sensate for it and kind mm-hmm. of get it get rid of it out of your airway. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, let's not like just based our diag- our diagnoses and our um preconceived notions on how our patients will act and respond mm-hmm. just based off of what we see or based off of mm-hmm. their list of things like these speech therapists and these doctors basically said this person has CP and has a developmental delay. He must be aspirating. How could he not yeah. be aspirating? Yeah. How, yeah. Thing? How can he not be? And when in reality, like when you do the instrumental three times, you see a functional swallow. Mm-hmm. So like, let's start actually seeing the patient as a whole instead of just that mm-hmm. one instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's so, that's a good hot take. That's really good. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that should be an unpopular opinion at all. And I, when I was (laughs) in the hospital, I saw similar things to that. We definitely need to work on seeing the person as a whole person and not, you know, having our, like you said, our preconceived notions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't think that you need to, I need to address it, right? Like this shouldn't be Mm -hmm. a hot take, but I feel like it happens, it happens more often. And I see it a lot, um, I see it all the time with all of our patients, but yes, that is my hot take. Um, Madame, what is your hot take for this week? Okay, so I have two, but I'm going to use the one that's related to yours, um, just because okay. I think it'll flow better. 
Um, but so I don't think that we should be forcing our patients to use our diet, like our diet level recommendations if they don't want Mm. to that, especially in adult settings. Okay. But that is, yes, that is my hot take. So I think it's our jobs as the speech pathologists, um, to do our assessments and to give adequate recommendations, right? Like, um, if it's not safe for you to have minced moist, then I'm not going to recommend minced moist, but it's up to you as an adult to decide whether or not you are going to follow my recommendations. Just like you and I are given recommendations all the time. People are always Mm -hmm. throwing out unsolicited advice and we are choosing not to follow it. And sometimes people are right, right? And we still like, we'll reap the consequences of that. But as adults, we have that privilege where we can say, I'm good. Like, I don't really want to do this. Um, And I think our patients deserve that too. I think ultimately it should be up to the patient to decide if they're going to follow our recommendations or not. Um, As long as we have educated them and provided them with strategies and provided them um, with like our genuine recommendations, Mm -hmm. it's not our job to enforce these recommendations. As long as they know what the risks are, they can make their own choices. That's my hot take. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you're Oh my gosh, like that's something that I'm so passionate about because I think as a field, we're so scared of aspiration and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of speech therapists would be like, well, no, they need to be on moderately thick because they aspirate Mm -hmm. and you can't like the patient has absolutely no say in how they kind of deal with their medical, um, kind of their path. And so like, Mm -hmm. we all have autonomy over our bodies. Right. And so if we can recommend something And, you know, how do we educate our patients with like telling them their kind of their risk factors and getting pneumonia and how do we educate and just, you know, try to give them strategies to Mm -hmm. um, make sure they don't get pneumonia. What kind of things can we offer them? You know, Mm -hmm. we're here to be therapists. Um, One of the amazing quotes I heard from my supervisor, she said, um, we're therapists, we're not um, diet police. Mm -hmm. And so I was like. I was like, wow, that's good. Yeah. Like I'm here to, to rehab or rehabilitate your swallow, mm-hmm. not to focus on what liquid and what diet you're on. Mm-hmm. I'm just here yes. to kind of, you know, tell you what's best and what's safe for now. And then, mm-hmm. you know, work on the anatomy and physiology of your swallow. Agreed. I a hundred percent agree. Absolutely. I'm glad that you agree with me. Okay. Yes. I felt a little nervous saying that, honestly, just because I'm, um, on the other side of that, one of my supervisors in the past did not mm. agree with that. Um, so, and that's, and yeah, no, which is I, fine. I think everybody's going to have their own opinions, but that I, yeah. I do think that at the end of the day, we are working with adults and they deserve their autonomy. So, absolutely. Okay, so okay. Hannah, do you have another hot take for us? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. So I do. So. My hot takes, I feel like, like I said, they shouldn't be hot takes, but I need to address these things. Um, but it's not judging our patients based off of their cultural or ethnic backgrounds. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, you I can't think... believe you think that. No, that is a terrible take. I'm just kidding. Like, what? Why do you need it? Okay, tell us. I want to hear it. And it's, and I feel like, you know, like, I guess because maybe we're just both of us, we come from, we're both people of color and mm-hmm. we maybe understand cultural and ethnical differences more. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, here's my story. Um, so basically I had a patient who was Hispanic. Uh, most of my patients in the city I work in, um, is either white or Hispanic and mm-hmm. 
So basically this patient had a severe stroke. He had a medullary stroke, which caused like Wallenberg syndrome. And usually that entails um, very severe um, pharyngeal dysphagia or oral pharyngeal dysphagia. And so, you know, we did a swallow. First, you know, he came in with a peg tube and the, the speech therapist that originally was treating him that did the eval basically said severe dysphagia at bedside and, you know, talked to the doctor and the doctor was kind of like, well, she wanted the speech therapist was thinking about doing a study, a swallow study. And the doctor said to her, what will you see that I can't see right now? And what? she- I feel like yeah, that like in she, itself, what? Yeah. Oh and so gosh. she- the speech therapist was didn't it kind, know was how it like to... what hold on, I have a question was it condescending yeah. or was it like genuine like what are you going to be able to tell from this I think it was a mixture of both I think it was a mixture of like you know he has a peg tube um what why do you need to feed him by mouth it's already solved he's already getting nutrient nutrition and hydration mm-hmm. and then the second thing was like maybe she was just unaware of what a swallow study could do and like mm-hmm. how, like we said, we are not diet police. We're here to give mm-hmm. you rehabilitation. And mm-hmm. I don't think she realized, the doctor didn't realize that component. Um, mm-hmm. And I come from a really, like, we're in the stone ages at the hospital <laughs> I work at. So I think swallow oh studies gosh. weren't being readily used, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've experienced that with a hospital you worked at. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, but that's where a I did my, thing. where I did a part of my, where I did my seat you know, the adult portion of my CFY. Um, yeah. I don't think um, they were readily used either. Which is, which is so baffling because I feel like, you know, as speech therapists, we have to do continuing education. And so I feel like if you've been in the field for a long time, you should, you have to do CEU. So, you know, I feel like now, you know, we're in this new, mm-hmm. there's a lot of research to indicate how important it is and how our bedside swallows aren't accurate. Um, at all. Like we misdiagnosed dysphagia. I think it's like, I think it was like 70% of the time, um, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyways, so you know, I ended up seeing the patient that we kept him on the caseload and I saw the patient after the evaluation and, you know, I saw the same thing. I went to the same doctor and I basically gave her my reasoning why, because um, I knew she wasn't, she didn't really understand what an MBS could do. And she said, absolutely go ahead and do it. And Yay. big win for me. I literally, yes, ran, I love to see growth. <laughs> I ran out of that room and I was just like screaming on the top of my lungs, just so happy. Well, actually I wasn't screaming. Skipping I was down the hallway. Yeah, I was silently <laughs> screaming in my head. Um, and I bet like everybody's experience, like no one, like, especially if you're your first, I was like a few months out and I was just wow. starting my CF. And so like, mm-hmm. it took a lot of courage to, for me to tell mm-hmm. that to the Absolutely. doctor. Absolutely. Props to you. And so thank you. Thank you. It was very hard work. It it was a lot of prayer. Just me praying Mm -hmm. the whole time. Please guide this um, doctor. (laughs) Absolutely. So we ended up doing the study and he ends up, you know, we do rehab. He leaves the facility. He was unable to go to a SNF or an acute care inpatient intensive rehab due to insurance. And so he ended up going, going home and he was a wonderful Mm -hmm. patient. He was so motivated, always like doing the exercises and doing uh, my recommendations, even when he wasn't in, when I wasn't doing therapy with him, I would literally walk in. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I would walk in and he would be like, senorita, see, and he's like doing it already. Good. Um, Yeah. So he ended up leaving 
our facility and he I found out a month later that he got readmitted because his peg tube was accidentally removed. And so mm-hmm. I was telling the speech therapist who I was treating the patient with at the time that this happened and she told me she was like, you know, well he probably did it himself. You know, in the Hispanic culture, he d- they don't really listen to your recommendations. What? And yeah, like isn't that crazy? And she's, that's yeah. that's a really big statement. That's a really Abs- big absolutely generalization. Yeah, and so I, I he she went on and I just like didn't say anything because I was just in shock. And she went on to say how like Hispanic women want to feed their husbands like soup, and so they probably already giving him food, even though his dysphagia was so severe, and he probably removed the peg tube because he didn't want it anymore. And that's, that's why he got reinstated. Is she white or is she Hispanic? Is she black? My um this other SLP. Yeah. She she was white. She was white, yeah. And so her statements just I think was baffling. I just was so shocked that she had even said that. She basically just said, like, just because of his culture and his ethnic background, that's why he did certain things. Um, and that's which is crazy. crazy. Like I I feel like, like you were saying in the hospital, a lot of our patients who are ethnically diverse, they I feel like they get blamed for the reason why they're in the hospital. Like it's mm-hmm. their fault. And yeah. and I was just like, wow. Like I like was just sitting there and I was just in awe. And, you know, I basically didn't even respond. And I think I just, I remember kind of nervously chuckling at it <laughs> and be like, ah, 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 yeah. And I, but I'm, I literally go back to that situation. I wish I could relive it to be able to stand up for, mm-hmm. you know, Your um, for, yeah, to stand up for my patient and say, you know, that's mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't it's say hard. that. Yeah. And I think especially as a new speech therapist, if the speech therapist mm-hmm. was more seasoned, it's a little bit harder. But like, yeah. I've definitely been in situations where I learned from that situation I will like told myself I will never be that speech therapist who Mm -hmm. like allows prejudices or um, stereotypes to make me say things like that but still not had the courage to say anything mostly if it's somebody who's been in the field longer but what makes me so upset about this is when you have these kind of preconceived notions is it affects the way you do treatment. If I'm going into a session knowing or thinking you're not going to take me seriously. Um, Hispanic people never take therapy seriously. Why? I'm not going to put an effort. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Whereas on the other side, if I'm someone like, oh my gosh, like my, I need to give my best to this patient. And you know, you might prepare better materials. You might have handouts for them. But if you already think like, they're not even going to do what I'm telling them, why am I going to try? So I think it really does affect the way we interact with our patients even if you think it doesn't and you have these beliefs or you're one of the people who do say things like this it does affect the way your patient you work with your patients and as someone from an ethnic background we notice we do notice when you come into the room no matter how polite you are we can see when you think less of us so Mm -hmm. just for Mm -hmm. anyone who's curious yeah and you know have you had this experience for either like have you seen it done or has it happened to you before it's definitely happened to me with like my um, grandpa. I feel like mm-hmm. I saw like he had Alzheimer's and I felt like mm-hmm. looking back, I definitely saw this and I've seen it happen to other people in um, my medical setting, my first internship for my medical setting. Um, yeah. I felt like I saw that a lot. Like <laughs> we would like leave the room and the, the therapist that I was under would be like, 
to like always have a comment to make oh, if, if it was oh a person no. from but she was also a person of color and I think actually for her it was more projecting um because she was older and that's what she I think I would assume that's what she grew up with and I felt like it was a lot of projecting um but it's mm. still not okay yeah. your insecurities are not our problem and it's right. not your patient's problem yeah but like I 100% agree with you like how you think about your patient and what thoughts you have before seeing that patient makes a world of a difference in how you actually mm-hmm. give therapy and how you treat Absolutely. the patient. Um, and it definitely shows. And it's just, it's, it, I think it was just so, just so baffling that people still think like that to this day. Um, but yeah, um, advocate for your patients and stand up yeah. and it's hard. It's mm-hmm. very hard. Like I still, I feel like sometimes I feel like I don't, if I would able to, if I was able to go back, I don't know if I would do it now, but you know, um, I think just more experience, hopefully I don't have to experience that again. Something that I've learned to do in those situations is say Mm -hmm. like, oh really? They weren't like that with me. Just like if if they did do that with you, they weren't like that with me. Cause now I'm just giving you, I'm not saying, even though you are wrong, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, oh, they weren't like, "Hmm, I didn't see that. But I see, I see the fear. I see like the, cause especially, yeah, I can see it too, especially if you're new and I think in the field, I, but yeah. And I think at that time, you know, I didn't have my license. And so oh. it was just, it was just scary to think like, oh my gosh, like I'm not alone. I think now that I have my license, I am more, a little more independent and stronger mm-hmm. in my opinions. And so mm-hmm. maybe now if I'm in that situation, I think I would be able to kind of speak up. Um, but I'll let you guys know if that happens to me. <laughs> I fingers crossed it doesn't happen to me again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go through that experience. But um, if it does happen, I will let you guys know. And hopefully I'll be able to stand up and say something. And I feel like, okay, I know we should move on to our next topic. But I feel like <laughs> the other thing that bothers me about that is it's such a broad, generalized statement. Do you know how many Hispanic people exist? Do you know, like to say, even if your experience has yeah. been that the patients you work with who are Hispanic yanked out their peg tubes, to mm-hmm. say that it's a like a like do you every like, that doesn't person. even make sense right. yeah. yeah like do you know how many people exist like this is something yeah. I face with like I deal with as a Muslim woman where people make generalized comments about Muslims I'm like do you know yeah. how many of us there are who do you think you are to think that you know how all of every single one of us is I think that's why this really just bugs me because well, like, yeah. I've been on the other side of this mm-hmm. I've felt this and I'm different from the next Filipino 25-year-old out there. You know, Absolutely. I'm not the same. I'm not the same. Even, I'm my own person. Uh, even amongst, like, my siblings. Like, my brother is literally a year and three days younger than me. We were raised together by the same parents <laughs> in the same house. We are so different, and our personalities yeah. are so different. And I just... There's a, just a level of entitlement that you have to have to think that you know how every single person yes. of a certain community is. And I, yeah. it just bothers me so much. Definitely. And I think that we was could a go good hot on. take. Oh, thank yeah, you. Could, thank you. We could make you, our like, whole podcast about this. Yeah. And you, I, I cannot stress this enough. My hot takes, I feel like this week, don't need to be hot takes, you know? Like, they, they don't. don't. No. Like, and let's do, as a field, guys, we need to do better. We need to Absolutely. do better. Absolutely. But let's yes. move on to our last hot take on this episode. So, but um, do you have, what is something juicy you got to tell us today? 
Okay, so I do have a hot take. Um, and now I'm changing settings for this hot take. So I okay. um also did my school-based internship, obviously. That was a requirement. Um, mm. and I follow a lot of SLPs on Instagram and on social media. I am definitely a social media girly. And I just see all these speech therapists during holiday seasons doing holiday-based therapy. Um, okay. and so my hot take is that you should not be using holiday-based therapy with your clients or um your students um unless you know they celebrate that holiday because and I have a story for this I didn't uh okay so I don't think you should be using holiday-based therapy materials with your (laughs) students unless you know that they celebrate it and here's why yes first of all I worked with this is before we um this is an undergrad I worked Mm -hmm. with a class like who I was their tutor and 80% of the students there were Muslim students and when it came to time for December, right? Everyone mm-hmm. loves Christmas. It's so, I get it. I don't celebrate it, but I get it. It's so pretty. There's so many fun activities out there revolving around Christmas. So this teacher decided that her students would, she, first of all, she decorated her class, decked it out for mm-hmm. Christmas mm-hmm. Um, when 80% of her students did not celebrate this holiday. Um, and Crazy. then also, it's insane to me. And then all, like read the room. Um, and then she made one of the assignments writing a letter to Santa Hannah and these kids were livid they were like okay I hope none of your kids are around but Santa doesn't (laughs) exist and like I was like well I don't know what to tell you exactly like who is this man and like try explaining it to them like oh it's somebody who watches you who brings you presents no I was like like, I was not gonna I feel like that would be slander yeah Yeah, I'm like I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna go through this with you guys um but anyways they really hated this activity they felt like they mm-hmm. couldn't connect with it and I mean I get the benefit of writing a letter to Santa I do yeah but there's just so many different activities that you can do that are not religious holiday based so if you really like winter you, I mean if you really like Christmas you can do winter if you love Easter you can mm. do spring and they're like when the Easter sales come out like um Dollar Tree always has the best Easter eggs they have different shapes and I always go and buy them because I can use them for spring activities that aren't related to Easter Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and so I really think it's our job to really like know our students or our patient um, or our clients and just read Mm -hmm. the room really um and then if you do love working on holiday activities that's great because you can make it a learning opportunity for everyone find out what holidays your kids celebrate and um do a holiday each week or do as they come up, do a holiday. And that way we can, even though I don't celebrate Christmas, I get to learn about it. And now I'm looking forward to when we do Eid, like, you know, as someone who celebrates Eid. Um, And so I think that could be a good spin on it if you do want to do holidays. But this is something that I honestly didn't really, really have a strong opinion about until I worked with kids who really felt disconnected from their peers and felt disconnected from their curriculum Mm -hmm. um, until like when it happened to them. So. Well, and I love, I love that idea of using the seasons instead. Like, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we get away from using Mm -hmm. holidays that are culturally driven Mm -hmm. instead of just Mm -hmm. using the seasons, you know? And, and that idea of like getting to know all the different types of holidays, like Eid is something Mm -hmm. that I had no idea what it was growing up as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so if like some of the students celebrate that, like how do you bring, Mm -hmm. and that also ties into like, 
if people don't learn this as a child, like the different cultures, how do we expect our children to do this in the future? Like, how do mm-hmm. we expect them to be culturally competent and understand mm-hmm. where people are coming from ethnically and, and like understanding their backgrounds when we're yeah. not teaching them as a, mm-hmm. like, as a kid, you know, like people yes. have yes. different holidays. They have, mm-hmm. they celebrate different things. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like, and Some I think people... there's beauty in like everything in everybody's yeah, holidays. Absolutely. Like I've never come across a holiday where I was like, Ooh, what, what do you guys right, do? Right. Like that's never happened. Cause every there's beauty in all of it. So like yeah. either make sure everyone feels like they are included or just do yeah. um, secular uh, themes. Actually someone who does really great secular themes or like non-holiday based themes mm-hmm. is um, speech tree co. She does these like themed mini objects and I remember when she first came out with it, I was kind of like, I like I'm I want to subscribe, but I don't mm-hmm. want to end up with like a bunch of Christmas or Easter. She yeah. hasn't. I don't think she's even. I think maybe she did one holiday theme, and it was like an extra thing where like you can buy it if you want to, but we mm-hmm. have a non-holiday based activity. Mm. But that is my hot take, and I obviously and am passionate about it because I kind of just got all over the place. <laughs> Well, and no, I love yeah. that because it's something that I haven't, I haven't, like, I don't work with pediatrics, but if I ever do, that's mm-hmm. something I definitely would, like, implement because I didn't think about that. Like, everybody doesn't mm-hmm. celebrate Christmas, mm-hmm. even though it's a huge holiday that, you know, mm-hmm. some people, but like you said, you don't celebrate it. So how are you and, like, students like you supposed to mm-hmm. connect with that? Like, right. I wouldn't want to be, if I don't know who Santa is, I don't want to send a man a letter talking about things I love to do and like like that's low-key creepy (laughs) well the other thing is like that's really cute because then like the teacher could give the letter to the parents right and now the parents know right it's a really cute activity but when these kids take it home to their parents they were like I thought this wasn't like a Christian school and I was like oh it's not schools here are technically secular um and they were just a little confused but I think like I see both sides. I don't. No, I'm not gonna say I see both sides. Um, I see the appeal of holidays, and Absolutely, as someone who yeah. loves Halloween, I don't celebrate Halloween, but I love, love, love Halloween. Um, I also know like not to. I just it's just my personal preference. I think and and just I think it's also just educating other students about different ones. Like it's great to have like to like say that these holidays exist like you can do like a show and tell of like this is Mm -hmm. like this is the holiday I celebrate and this is why we do it you Mm -hmm. know what Mm -hmm. kind of foods do we eat during this holiday I I really I think that would be so great and I think like even Christmas let's take everyone celebrates it differently everybody like that I've met who different cultures celebrate it so differently the foods that they bring out for them is like you know there's so much diversity in it um, there's a person that I follow on TikTok who is a teacher. I forgot what grade she teaches. I want to say third grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. And she found out that a couple of her students were fasting Ramadan. And so she decided to um, just kind of do like a day where they talked about what Ramadan is. And like, you know, I felt like I like when I was in public school, I never got to experience that. And I felt like, yeah, even though I know she does other holidays, she makes sure to include all of her students which is so great because now like the kids know what Ramadan is when Hanukkah comes around they're gonna know what that is when Christmas comes like you get to enjoy each other's cultures and I think that's also very beautiful so just be inclusive I guess is my takeaway that's beautiful I love that that is a wonderful hot take I love (laughs) that it's beautiful 
I feel like I'm so passionate about it for like <laughs> for like such a simple topic. Like I just feel like there's so much passion oozing out of me. Um, especially after what you talked about, I feel like those were heavy topics. And I'm like, don't bring up holidays. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I love, I think that's um, something different that I think a lot of speech therapists haven't really thought about. So hopefully, um, if you are a practicing speech therapist, you can kind of consider this and you know shift maybe. And I think for mm-hmm. shift your therapies. And I think we always need to be willing to shift our mindset and learn. Like we're going to be lifetime learners. And if you mm-hmm. if you're stuck in a rut and you're stuck in doing your old ways and you never want to change, like your patients will not benefit from that. You know, yeah, you have to I be agree. flexible. Yes, I agree. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, so well, yeah, takes. well, that was wonderful. That was a wonderful segment. Um, that basically concludes our first installation of Communication Corner. We want mm-hmm. to basically end every episode with maybe a, um, a recommendation, like an SLP rec. And so, Madame, do you have a recommendation this week for our viewers? Or yes. listeners. Okay. So our, my SLP rec is going to be targeted mostly for early intervention speech therapists that are tuning in. Um, and it's the SLT scrapbook parent handouts. They um, are so good, you guys. And I like to dedicate the first um, session that I do with my kids, um, doing some parent training and just like educating the parents. And these handouts are so, so, so great. So easy to understand. So informative. Um, And she also has them in Spanish. So I genuinely, like, I bought her whole, I'm not telling you guys to do this, but I bought her, (laughs) like, her handbook, her handouts, like, her posters, everything when I first went into the field of early intervention. And Mm -hmm. as a new speech therapist, it was so helpful. Um, And the parents love it because they're easy to read. And they just like, I would send it to them usually via like email or text. And that way they can just reference it. Um, And then usually they would just print it and put it on their fridge for a little reminder for themselves. So SLT scrapbook parent handouts. They're so great. Very nice. Very nice. I love that. Yes. What about you? Do you have an SLP rec for us? <laughs> okay. My rec um, hasn't, doesn't really have to do with speech therapy, but it's a fun rec <laughs> for all you guys. Um, so I've been looking at, you know, on Instagram, I see a lot of speech therapists that are addicted to coffee. So, madame, are you I'm a coffee lover? Yes, I you am. Are, you are. I a coffee cannot lover. go without it. Yes. And I feel like every single person is like in our, in our field, I feel like there's a lot of like SLP and coffee and, you know, like things Mm -hmm. like kind of cheesy things like that. But my rec for this week is to go to your local Target or, you know, your local Rayleigh's. I don't know if Walmart has it, but I want you guys to buy the iced coffee, the cold brew coffee from Starbucks. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm personally not a big Starbucks lover. I like, I don't like their coffee. I like the refreshers, but they have Mm -hmm. like cold brew. And I want you guys to buy, you can do medium roast. I'm I'm a big medium roast fan, Um, Mm -hmm. but medium roast cold brew. And then you guys got to pair it with, um, they have have almond milk or they have almond creamer or regular creamer. Um, And then the caramel macchiato creamer. it's it's divine, y'all. I'm drinking okay. it right now while we do this <laughs> podcast. And everybody that I know y'all love coffee. So go buy it now and you are going to thank me later. 
So how should money. we ask for it? What? Give me a script to use. Oh no, no, you could just buy. You just buy it. You just go to the store oh. and you and they come in a big. It's like a big jar. It's a big uh, container okay. or jug, uh-huh. I should say. Mm-hmm. And it saves you all. It saves you money. So I think you were mentioning to me that you go to Starbucks a lot. Right? Yes, I do. I got in the habit of so during Ramadan I wasn't fasting because I was breastfeeding my baby. Mm-hmm. Um and so I got into the habit of going to Starbucks to get coffee because everyone else around me was fasting, so I didn't have anyone to have coffee dates with. Mm-hmm. So I got in the habit of going to Starbucks almost every single day. Okay, so coffee. tell me that's how a, much money that's a confession. <laughs> too much and how money. How much money <laughs> were you spending per time? Like think about Honestly, like, how much too coffee? much money. I would probably say, like, I think I was always getting, like, a venti. Um, I'm a white mocha girl, so I was doing, like, a and venti did you, hot white mocha. And did you and buy, like, a little, six, seven. like, oh, a cake little, pop like, every time. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, like, what, like, $10, maybe 13 ish right? Yeah. So I was, I was close. Okay. So I calculated, right? So I usually buy the big jug maybe, like, every week and a half, and I get, like, the creamer with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I calculated it because it lasts me about a week ish, um, and it's a dollar and fifty, like dollar and seventy cents ish. Wow! And yeah, what? per per glass, and so this lasts me the whole week. Saves me a lot of money, and mm-hmm. it's delicious, guys. It's delicious. So that's my SLP racks because I know y'all, mm-hmm. all these girls love coffee, and we're all like, this. You're probably a speech therapist listening to it and addicted <laughs> on it. So that's yes. my SLP rack of the week. I hopefully okay. and. Please tell me, guys, if you try it um, and let me know yes. if I changed your life because I probably did. Okay. <laughs> I probably changed. She does She does all kinds of therapy, but this is what changes people's lives. <laughs> this, is, this is what's important, guys. This is what's important. Um, okay. So I'll try it and I will let you guys know next week or the week after how it went. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast, our very first episode of our podcast. Um, go ahead and message us on instagram or tiktok and let us know what you guys think and share your hot takes with us and hopefully we'll be able to share them with everyone else yeah thank you and it's at and it's at communication corner pod at gmail.com for email and then same with instagram and tiktok all right yes thank you guys for listening bye